0: Digital Marketer. Today it's Jamie Lieberman.
1: Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today we are talking with Jamie Lieberman Esquire. She is the owner and founder of Hashtag Legal, a legal consulting firm that specializes in working with entrepreneurs, service professionals, influencers, and online business owners. In this episode, we dig into how to legally protect your business and your employees as you make shifts during a crisis. We also talk about which contracts are still totally binding and how to amend anything that you can't really uphold right now. And overall, it's just a wealth of information that I do want to preface with, this is not legal advice. (laughs) That said, I think you might just find that this episode uncovers a little path in an uncertain time. All it needs is a little clearing. Here it is. Hi, Jamie. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing all right. How about you? Also doing all right. This is... Kind of par for the course, I think, right now. So with your expertise, obviously we're going to talk about some legal stuff. We're going to talk about small business stuff, a little bit of like influencer, affiliate stuff. But I'd kind of like to go back to before hashtag legal started and just kind of get an idea of how you got your start, where you found your interests, and how you nurtured them. Oh, so this is fun because it's a happy question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Starting with the happy question. Um, so, I've been a lawyer for about 15 years. And the first half of my career was spent at Big Law in New York City, which is what everybody thinks of when they think of lawyers with like black suits, white marble, thousands of lawyers in a room. And I did complex commercial litigation, so it was large companies fighting over large amounts of money. I did not love litigation because I felt as if we were tearing everything up versus building things, and I prefer to be a part of building versus mm-hmm. tearing things down, but it gave me an incredible foundation for what I do now because I can anticipate when things could go wrong in a way that you know someone who hasn't litigated may not be as easily able to do because I've seen mm-hmm. all the things that go wrong. So I hopefully help my clients avoid that. When I had my first son, I actually went back to work full time and I decided that uh, I was going to try. And as soon as I got there, I realized it was either work or him. And I didn't want to have to make that choice. So I left and tried to create my own environment. And in leaving, I thought, maybe I'll leave the law because I had worked there for so long. I felt burnt out. I felt frustrated that I felt like I couldn't have a legal career that I wanted and be the mom that I wanted to be. And so I started doing other things. And I actually was a blogger for years before I had kids. Or even when I was in law school, I wrote about living in New York City. And so I went back to blogging because I enjoyed it so much. I had like a blog spot. I mean, it was so... Antiquated. <laughs> That's the real stuff right there. Yeah. And it was just for fun. And it got really popular and like lots of people read it and it was goofy awesome. and could be anonymous at the time. And then I, uh, I went back to blogging but realized I didn't really have things I wanted to say in the blogging world, but I ended up working for... A blogging conference company that doesn't exist anymore, and I helped them build their network and create processes and all the legal structure that they needed for their conferences. And at our peak, we had events that had over 500 people, with you know many like over 30 sponsors, and it was a really great event, and I loved it. And so that's really where I got into the business of blogging at the time. The word influencer didn't even exist um, (laughs) when I started doing that, and that's really where Hashtag Legal started was because mm-hmm. I gave a talk maybe six years ago about legal issues for bloggers. And many people, they were like, oh, I need a lawyer. I was like, oh, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Wow.
1: It's so funny how things can springboard, springboard, not your career, but your like trajectory just mm-hmm. totally changes from one thing, one move. You know, it was so funny. I actually took the
0: job at the blogging company, that conference company or network, not even doing legal stuff. I was doing non-legal stuff because I was just really interested in online business and I wanted to learn a little bit. So I was doing a little bit of everything and the woman who owned it like didn't even know I was a lawyer for the first month or two. I had a small child and so I just didn't have a ton of capacity plus I had some legal clients doing other non-related legal work. And so I just wanted to sort of check it out and see if maybe this was a space I wanted to go into. Mm-hmm. And about a month in, she's like, I feel like you may have a more interesting backstory. I was like, oh, I'm actually a lawyer. And that's <laughs> when things all started happening. So if I wouldn't have taken that or even like thought I wanted to learn about something and take something that many people have been like, why would you even do that job when you could have easily done
1: legal work? it brought me where I am today. So what a cool secret skill to have. I'd love to like accidentally be a lawyer (laughs) instead of like accidentally knowing, you know, like how to read tarot cards or something. (laughs) Mine may have some more practical applications. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. That's awesome. Um, How big should your business be? Like, just you? How much money should you make? That kind of stuff before you start looking at these legal. I think you should start looking
0: at legal when you start. It should be a line item of your budget. It should be the same as a web designer or a logo. Mm -hmm. Um, It should just be a part of what you do. It shouldn't be scary. You should find somebody who's a really good partner for you who can be there when you need them. It doesn't have to break the bank the way that a lot of people think it does. You should ask those questions and you shouldn't dread talking to your lawyer. Having a good lawyer will literally help you sleep at night because you know you can get that person on a call and feel really good about it. So look around, ask your friends. All us entrepreneurs have like our crew of people we trust ask them who they use. I mean, I go around and I'm like, who do you use for social? (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing. Sharing is caring. And so, you know, get those recommendations. And then even if someone recommends that person, hop on a call with them, do like a free consultation with them, make sure they totally vibe with you. You feel good about the way that they practice and you feel
1: comfortable because you should not dread talking to your lawyer. (laughs) Who should be listening to this? Literally everyone. Yes. No matter how big your business is. Because that's huge. So right now, it's obviously an interesting time. And I kind of want to speak to the before, the during, the after. Because, you know, number one, who knows what's going to happen? And number two, who knows when it's not going to be happening? So just kind of speaking to all of it, what are some things, legally speaking, that businesses should be thinking about right now. I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions, and you're like, that's not what you should be worrying about.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> that question is hard to answer because every business is in a different space, right? Mm-hmm. I think the number one thing that business owners need to be thinking about is Am I reacting out of fear right now and trying to create or do something without putting proper things in place, protocols in place. So for example, there are a lot of people creating courses right now because they are service providers and their services may be one-on-one or their client base may not be ready to pay a high premium. So they're looking to create a lower priced product. And I have a lot of people who are just throwing courses up there without thinking about names, copyright, terms and conditions. Um, saying, Uh. I don't have the money to pay for that. And I understand, and I do not diminish. I mean, we're all feeling the pain of what's happening. Some of us, our income has gone to zero. And so I absolutely understand how challenging it can be right now. And I don't minimize that, but you also have to continue to understand the long game and not want to walk out of this with regret because you did something without really thinking it through, even Mm -hmm. if you're doing it yourself just give those things thought <laughs> and really try and make sure that you're protecting yourself because undoing something
1: is a lot harder than protecting it on the front end right kind of like a marriage is a lot easier than probably a divorce Correct. right yeah for yeah. now for a while like date, live together.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it some time. Don't elope in like two months or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the things that businesses should put into place as they're creating new product
0: Yeah, I mean, really the number one thing when you're creating something that you're disseminating, just either whether you're sending it out for free or to sell in particular is just make sure you're protecting your intellectual property, make sure your copyright and your trademarks are protected, make sure you have contracts or good terms and conditions to make sure that people can't steal what you've created or you can make it really much harder for them to do so. Also, understanding when you're entering into new agreements or if you're partnering up with someone, I mean, really, at the end of the day, like just put it all in writing. Make sure that whatever you're doing, if you have contingency plans because maybe you were planning an event and you have to go to your vendors or your landlord or whoever, just make sure every agreement that you're coming to have it in writing in some way.
1: Mm, okay, so I'm sure a lot of people right now listening feel like it's the wild west. You know, contracts don't mean anything right now. I can't uphold my contract Mm. that was out because of the conditions right now. So are contracts still valid? How do you make sure that they're changed or correct or how does that stuff
0: work? That's a great question. Um, Each contract is governed by its own terms. So generally speaking, contract law still exists. Contracts are still binding. If you have friends who have real estate or are renters, you'll know that many of the leases are still binding and landlords are asking for rent, even if you cannot go into the place where your office is. So it isn't that contracts are not still binding. It's that some contracts have provisions that allow you to excuse performance. Sometimes it means you can fully cancel the contract. Sometimes it means you just postpone it until you can actually perform. And so those are typically called force majeure clauses, a word that I Probably never spoken about in all the legal speaking that I do <laughs> until this very moment. I've said, Is force that the uh, act of God clause? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or the impossibility clause, it's sometimes called. And so force majeure was a term that you learn in law school and you may use one time in your legal career. This is actually the second time I've had to utilize it in my legal career, but it's very rare that it happens. And so most people don't pay attention to it. And so now we're paying very close attention to it and each one is written differently. And the definition of what is a force majeure event is written differently. So read your contracts. And the other thing that's important is even if your contract is enforceable, it doesn't mean it's not amendable. And so if you are in a position where you can't perform or you're struggling to perform, reach out to the other side. I've seen a number of people just ghost. And that's the worst thing you can do. You have, if you are a business owner, it is part of your job and you just can't ignore the problems. You have to hit them head on. Even if the conversation doesn't go as you want, even if the other side won't budge, you have to at least try and give them notice and let them know, I, I can't perform right now and this is why. What can we do? Um, mm-hmm. I had a client who had signed an agreement for a WeWork. And she said, It's not that I'm not willing to be in this agreement. I just want to push it off by two months. Like when I can get back in, I will then have a 12-month agreement with them. Um, And so working that out with them, going back with them, negotiating with them, things like that, that's the important thing is don't ignore the problems. You have to deal with them. And if you had contracts that were out there that were unsigned or signed by one party, that's not a fully executed contract. So that's a conversation you can certainly have. If you're in a position where you had hired someone and you want to backtrack on that, you know, make sure obviously you're complying with relevant employment laws. Contractors are a little bit different. Make sure the contract is cancelable. There are a lot of contracts you can terminate on notice. And maybe some people are waiving notice provisions, meaning, you know, you don't even have to give me the 10 days. I understand. Like, let's just call it a day and we'll revisit this in a few months. But having the conversations and not hiding from them are really key right now.
1: Mm. On the end of the people... With the contracts, you know that are expecting something of someone, how can they have a little grace during this time right now?
0: I think that's where the conversations come into play. Open, honest, real dialogue is what you have to do. You can't hide the ball. You have to be really honest about what you can and can't do. And that means if you can pay, you should. You know, if you are in a position to continue to pay, then you should continue paying because. People need it right now. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to make a partial payment, something to show good faith. I think that for the most part, there certainly are some people who are taking not so great inflexible positions. And that's unfortunate. But honestly, that's the world. There's always going to be not great people out there. But I'm seeing really great stories where clients are talking to the people that they've contracted with and coming up with really good, solid compromises to just make sure that everybody's on the same page.
1: Yeah, that's really great to hear. You kind of mentioned employment. So kind of digging into that, how can you protect your business and how can you protect your employees? You know, it's kind of all the same.
0: Yeah, it's all. And it's all
1: different. It's all together, right? So Mm -hmm. the one thing
0: obviously all employers have to know is employment law is governed by both the state where your employee is working and the federal government has some say too. So make sure the number one thing is understand the employment laws governing your employment relationship with your employees. If you didn't understand that before, now's a great time to get a primer. Employment law is really important and a big place where businesses have potential for liability and often don't realize it employers certainly have a lot of rights. In certain instances, you know, you can furlough, you can do temporary layoffs, you can cut hours. You just have to make sure that you're doing it in a lawful way so that you're not uh, opening yourself up for liability. And if you're a business owner and don't know, Find a lawyer who has an expertise in that area and book an hour of time with them. Get their Mm -hmm. advice. Even if you're not asking them to do anything for you, but you just need an understanding of their rights. I've written more opinion emails and letters to clients just sort of detailing based on what their situations are, what they can and can't do. The thing that causes anxiety and fear is the unknown. And so the more you know, the more comfortable you're going to feel. And a lot of people avoid even learning because they're afraid they're going to hear something they don't want to hear. Wow. Um, but it's just better to know so you can come up with contingency plans. Make mm-hmm. sure you're treating you know all of your employees equally. You know, discrimination rules are still in effect. And you know, there's lots of good government programs now. I know there's a lot of frustration, but there is the payroll protection plan. That program came into effect. You can apply through, I believe your bank. It's gonna take some time. There's a lot of rules that you have to comply with in order to get that money go from a loan to a grant. But that's helping some employers, you know, be able to keep their employees on staff during the next few months. There's grants, there's small business loans. Everybody is taxed. So having some patience and grace, no matter understanding how frustrating it can be that if your bank doesn't have the application up yet. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing just a lot of really angry people online who are frustrated. And the other piece of advice I'd say is check your sources. Like, don't look on Facebook for what the law says. Like, look at law firm websites, go to the government's website and read their information. Like, just know your sources and make sure that you're asking the right people who have the real knowledge. There's a lot of non-lawyers out there giving legal (laughs) advice right
1: now. (laughs) And so I think that that's another really important thing to remember. Yeah. When it comes to finding more creative ways to protect your employees who you you might have to be, you know, cutting hours or furloughing or anything like that. Is there anything kind of creative that you've seen businesses do? Yeah, I have a lot of clients
0: who are not online businesses, but who own businesses where their employees are sitting in office every day. And so if you are able to allow your employees working from home, I've seen some really creative work from home policies to allow their employees to both check in and the employer to feel comfortable the employee is still working, but also letting the employees do what they need to do, particularly if they have families or children that are home that they're homeschooling That really requires a lot of communication and knowing and trusting your staff. Mm -hmm. But I've seen some really good work-from-home policies, (laughs) telecommuting policies. But also (laughs) realize when you are doing a work-from-home or telecommute policy, you make sure that if there's private information or if there's any security issues that you account
1: for that as well and how your employees are dialing into your network. Okay. So kind of shifting... I have a friend who has always worked from home because they're an influencer Mm. and, you know, they're having a particularly tough time right now because not only is work and home blending, but work is greatly reduced while still, you know, their job is to have this audience and speak to them. And yeah, what are you seeing right now in the influencer marketing industry? This is kind of your area of expertise.
0: I'm seeing a huge influx in people loving cooking and recipes, Mm -hmm. homeschooling, kid activities. I actually have a client who creates courses around pregnancy and because many pregnant women who were supposed to have like classes that they were taking right yeah so her content has just been going crazy and you know i think as an influencer you can't really shift what you're talking about too much mm-hmm. or your audience is going to have a bit of whiplash but just continuing not necessarily everything that you were doing in the past mm-hmm. certainly you should have to acknowledge <laughs> what is going on and be mindful For some influencers, it means that they're focusing on the good news or they're just worrying less about sponsored content and just understanding that this is a time where it's just going to be a lull Um, or focusing on products that they've always wanted to create or something like that. So I think now, if ever there was a time to look at your income streams... Now is the time to do that because, you know, having all your eggs in one basket just as a business rule is just never a good idea. You have to be able to have income coming from lots of different places. So as an influencer right now, you know, it may not be sponsored content. It may be affiliate work or it may be some charity work that you're doing or mm-hmm. using your influence in a really good way so that when things do turn, people are still going to remember and you're, feel good about the things that you did with that influence while this was going on.
1: Mm-hmm. On that note, just about pregnancy, I have so far at least one friend who is already pregnant. Mm. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> in this time. Yeah. Babies. <laughs> yeah. Nine months from now. <laughs> so on the other side of influencers, the small businesses who maybe would not have used them before. You know, there's more opportunity than ever. You know, attention is kind of at an all-time high. What do you think those businesses should be looking for if they're interested in tapping into? A network of influencers? I think,
0: you know, the most important thing is understanding that from their side, it can be a really valuable tool. But also, you know, I've seen a lot of businesses coming at influencers with like a fourth of what they should be paid because Mm -hmm. they're taking a bit of advantage of the fact that right now business is slow and that doesn't feel good. So go in honestly. And, you know, if you have opportunities, I think that's a great thing. If your opportunity, and you don't have as much money, but you do have some money, just be honest with the person that you're approaching that, you know, this is what you have. And if they're interested, great. And if they're not, don't. And as the influencer, don't clap back in a really disrespectful way because you are frustrated that someone approached you much lower than your regular rates. Like, I think we just need to have a little bit more grace right now when any opportunities are coming our way. And it doesn't mean that it has to be accepted. But I also think that just watching communication styles, making sure that, you know, building relationships now, you don't know how good that's going to be six months from now. If hopefully things are different, who knows? But, you know, like now's a great time to build relationships and get some goodwill in there so that when things do turn, you're positioned in a way that you'll be able to, you know, show you are worth what you want. It's a long game. We can't be making decisions now based in panic and fear, but each decision that you make, you need to be thinking about the long term and and how it's going to benefit your business.
1: Mm. When it comes to moving virtually, not just your workforce, but also some of those offers, you know, beyond trademarks and stuff like that, how can businesses feel good about selling something, you know, in a time like this? I think it's all about
0: the messaging, right? We're marketers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all about how you how you pitch it and talk about it. If it's truly something of value particularly to people, and I think the messaging certainly has to be without the pressure tactics that you can often see in certain online business offerings, constant follow-up. I mean, I'm even getting hammered by people I spoke to 6 months ago who I understand are just scared and need money, but it leaves a bad taste. So just, Mm -hmm. I think communication is everything right now and how you're presenting those offers and why they're a
1: value. You have to think that through a lot more. Yeah. And when you do move virtually, I'm sure on the legal end, you know, you have a lot of client data that you have to protect, you know, people who are, you know, therapists or, Mm -hmm. um, health professionals, that kind of thing. What, is the right way to protect client privacy when you're working remotely, especially with a team, you know, Mm -hmm. across remote. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, a lot of the
0: telemedicine
1: rules have been relaxed right now. So
0: if you are a licensed professional and you, you know, have to comply with HIPAA, just there's so much good information out there about what, you know, you can and can't do. And many of your providers that are, say, HIPAA compliant for telemedicine, We'll be able to tell you what works and what doesn't and how you can protect that. For outside of sort of that realm, you should know anyway what data that you're collecting, if you're collecting any data online. If you have never collected data online because everything you do is in person, you just have to know that you need to have a good privacy policy. And in that privacy policy, when you start collecting data, you need to tell your users what data you're collecting, what you're doing with it, how you safeguard it, and you have to understand what data and personal information is. It's not just someone's name and email address. There's lots more that goes into it. Privacy is a really complicated area of law. And so it's really important that you look at your providers and see how they're handling data and data security. Because, you know, for example, in my legal practice, we have specific programs that we use because they comply with my ethical requirements for data privacy. So I pay more for that because I mm-hmm. want to and have to, but I would only feel good about that. And so just looking at your service providers and asking those right questions, don't just jump in, but you know, data security sh- and data privacy should definitely be a question that you're asking. And to piggyback on that, this isn't data, mm-hmm. but it is something that triggered in my head if you're hopping online to do like live online courses, like physical fitness or something, just make sure you have really good disclaimers um, in case somebody gets hurt. Uh, Right.
1: Yeah. Wow. I'm
0: seeing so many people doing live classes with none of those. Um, And Mm -hmm. so it's just really important. Just like this, Podcast is just information. It's not legal advice, and there's no right. any client privilege. You can do that in a really, you know, organic way. <laughs> but <it is> important. <laughs> like so. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Exhibit A. But it is important that you make sure that you have those disclaimers. I can't tell you the number of people I see providing this information and not having them.
1: Yeah. Does that go for like even like cooking? like knife handling kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely this is where the terms and conditions come into play. If you're putting out recipes, you know, you may not put the nutrition information out. You may not say that, you know, if you're making claims like paleo or, you know, things like that, like you have to make sure you can back all of that up. And so the disclaimers
1: are really important. Yeah. Do you have tools or resources that people should definitely be looking at right now? Your state information, depending on who or what is great.
0: If you do Google searches for legal information, if you're unsure, look at the sources. So if law firms are writing about it, look at the state that they're writing about it in depending on what the topic is. But those are great places to get information because lawyers have written it. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. You're going to see disclaimers on those too, but it's better than like your aunt. (laughs) (laughs) We at Hashtag Legal, we provide actually a lot of information on our Instagram. We have information. I actually host a podcast as well where I give legal information. And we are actually in the process of launching... We were doing this before oddly, <laughs> but like an entire school of all of the legal information and business information that's been in my brain for like the wow. last 15 years, we're going to be creating master classes, which we had already started before this, so the timing is actually kind of crazy, but yeah, and so, you know, if people are interested in getting on our mailing list because we do provide that, they can go to our website and sign up for that as well. And so we provide that stuff too. And I also happily answer questions. I go live on Instagram. And if people join or send me questions via email, I'll answer them. So questions I get, I'm happy to go on social media and just give the answers.
1: That's awesome. Well, I always ask the same question to every guest when it's their first time on the podcast. But before I ask that question, I do want to know, tell me everywhere people can find you, anything they should be looking forward to coming out by you. And yeah, all your contact goodies. Cool. So
0: our website is hashtag spelled out dash legal.com. And if you go to backslash flourish, you can sign up on our mailing list in a special place where we're sending everybody like a free gift for signing up because we're going to give all the information about, All of the stuff that we're putting out, some of it is going to be free, some of it will be premium, but um, there's a lot of information that's going to be coming in the coming months, which I think is a great way to just get back to like an understanding of legal and business that a lot of people are going to need. You can find us on Instagram, um, hashtag underscore legal. My YouTube is just me, Jamie Lieberman. And I, oh, my podcast is the Fearless Business Podcast. We have over a hundred episodes, lots of good stuff in there. And you can email me directly. Jamie is J-A-M-I-E at hashtag spelled out dash legal.com and hashtag spelled out everywhere. Instagram, all that good stuff. We're on Facebook too.
1: All the same. So yeah. Hashtag is way better than pound signed. legal (laughs) (laughs) Like it would have been (laughs) uh, 15 years ago.
0: (laughs) But for some reason, people want to write, like they don't want to write the word.
1: So, so yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, our final question for this episode is, Jamie, if you could go back in time and tell the you who started this journey, you know, so many years ago. Anything at all with the knowledge you know now, what would you tell her? Um, I would
0: tell her to buckle up and to be much more comfortable with failure.
1: Wow. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that
0: you just, no matter what, no matter how successful you are, whatever your definition of success is, there will be failures and missteps and hiccups and bad choices along the way. And you can't let it derail you. You just have to keep going. But you also have to acknowledge them. <laughs> Beautiful. And I feel like that's super relevant for right now too. Yeah, for sure. Like if you're kicking yourself because are like, oh, I wish I would have put that product out or I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. That gets you nowhere and also it maybe wasn't your time to do that. So that's okay. Like having forgiveness and then learning from it and then taking something from it. That's how businesses grow truly. But so many people are so afraid to say, oh, I messed that up or I did that wrong because we strive for this level of perfection that
1: is just not possible. doesn't exist. Nope. Except in me. Well, obviously. You're a perfect host. Yes. Um, Well, Jamie, thank you so much for your expertise and your time today. I learned a lot. I have a lot of looking up to do, though. (laughs) Send me an email. I'll send you the right links. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was fun. And to everyone who joined us, I hope that you feel confident in moving forward in this climate right now. And I hope that you're doing well. And as always, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your day each week. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye.